You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. My guest today is Dion Muchachito. Dion is an amazing actor, as well as a filmmaker and visual artist. He was in the class ahead of me at Juilliard. We've always had a great collaborative relationship, as well as him just being a wonderful, steadfast friend to Frankie and I. I really value Dion's passion and thoughtfulness on these issues, and I'm glad we were able to have this conversation. He lives in L.A. now, and this was recorded over Skype. I hope you enjoy the 40th episode of The Compass. Start there with the silent retreats and for, to officially so people can hear about it? Yeah, sure. Since that's an interesting circumstance that you just came back. How many days were you there? Uh, we about three days, uh, three days and a night and one morning. So the, the night was just getting adjusted, setting the place up and then setting the curriculum for ourselves, being in agreement on that. And then the next three days we were doing the silent retreat and the next morning it was clean up and, and leave. When did you guys come up with this plan? Uh, maybe about a month ago, month and a half ago. And I know Mauricio, but is is Mira a theater artist as well? Or uh, yes, Mira is a theater artist. She went to uh, Columbia uh, Graduate School uh, for acting, and uh, she's been on uh, numerous like uh, sitcom comedies, Weird Loners on Fox. Uh, most well, that was last year, I think. Um, but she's great. She is an amazing uh, artist. And uh, a visual artist as well as like a theater artist and a gifted clown. Oh my goodness, she yeah. has cracked me up with some of the things that she's done in clown. <laughs> um, and Mauricio as well. Uh, I don't know if the listeners know about who Mauricio Salgado is. Mauricio. Um, he's definitely been mentioned on other people's episodes, but yeah, he's a jack of all trades. Jack of all trades, uh, theater artist, activist. Um, theologian, poet, prophet, priest, thief, <laughs> all sorts of things. But uh, a, a person that you that loves life and you, his kind of nature of exploring life and asking questions of life kind of brings out the best in you. So uh, I've always gravitated towards his energy, um, especially like the contemplative nature of his energy, because that's something I um, relate to 
um, in my experiences with life and art. How did you like, um, since you guys set up the days yourself and you did speak at the end of the days to kind of reflect together, how was that for you? The only silent retreat I've ever been on was silent the whole time. Uh-huh. Well, it was nice because uh, in the sharing of ideas and revelations that you gain through the silence, through the meditations, it becomes uh, like this vortex of creative spirit that you, um, you, you learn from and you get excited by and you get inspired by. So it, it feeds you with new material to work on, say, the next day in your silence. So I found it to be very, very enlightening. Um, and exciting. Well, like I was just saying before we started recording, I'm really excited to hear what you have to say on these topics coming out of that experience. So Mm -hmm. it's how unique. So what is the dark side for you as an artist, and what do you do to try to keep out of it or keep away from it? This is interesting. This is an interesting question, just the question of darkness. And I feel that we as artists always have to come close to darkness we have to enter into darkness it is it is the nature of who we are we are explorers we ask questions of the darkness we become darkness but in terms of the creative life darkness um, has a different connotation to me in that it 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 qualifies to me a state in which I am no longer growing as an artist or evolving as a human, but I am racked with fear and anxiety uh, and the idea of no possibility and no choice. Because ultimately, as an artist, you want to have the freedom to choose. Um, When you're doing a scene and you're acting with your partner, you're completely open to possibility. That's when magic happens in the moment. But if you're racked with fear and thinking, oh, everybody's judging me, I just only want to do the thing that is proper, and you conform to this idea that you might not even like, but you just think that that is the proper thing to do. That right. is fear-based psychology. The safe that's thing to do. That's not really based out of love. That's based out of a different energy. So to me, I qualify it as like a life um, dictated by, by fear. And it's my my struggle as an artist to encounter my anxiety and my fear, acknowledge it, and use my tools of an artist to work through them, work past them, overcome them, uh, to find this state of flow in art as an individual and in community with others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's... But, but we can go into a, a, like a different energy of darkness because we can acknowledge that, that life, uh, suffering is a certainty in life. You cannot avoid it. There's something across humanity that we all share. We are born and we die. And we all encounter the trials and tribulations of that path. So there's a certain acknowledgement of, yes, change is a constant and suffering is unavoidable. It will happen. So this idea of success in the arts as being typified of like, yes, I am a star and everything's great and wonderful and everybody loves me. That to me, <laughs> that idea 
is is BS, and I don't want to ascribe to that because that's a very narrow-minded idea of um, success or 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 the ultimate goal of, of my intention as an artist. Yeah, I think that that we should have a plurality uh, uh, in terms of like our view about where what our intention is as an artist, and I feel like each artist should develop their own intention about what their mission statement is about what they want to encounter as an artist in their life. So suffering is a constant, and I'll go into briefly like my family history so that the audience can understand my encounter with suffering as a form of darkness. Mm -hmm. um, I was born in Anchorage, Alaska, and you know, in Anchorage, Alaska, in the winter, darkness is, is abundant. It's everywhere because the sun only comes up for a few hours a day. And it's very cold. Right. Now, it, my mother uh, had brain cancer, uh, and she struggled with brain cancer for about six years in the midst of uh, dealing with a, a codependent relationship with my father, who was dealing with his alcoholism uh, related to his PTSD with uh, being a firefighter. Uh, and it was a very abusive relationship. So I encountered great darkness because of, of that upbringing. And the, I would say that, that that was an obstacle that I, as an artist, had to overcome because my nature as a human being, I gravitated towards art ever since I was very little. And my way of, of coping with the stress and trauma of my mother slowly dying to cancer, the stress and trauma of my father's bipolar nature with his alcoholism, was to delve deeply into art with my whole being. It became my refuge, it became my savior. Whether it was visual art uh, or, or my imagination of daydreaming, I am like Batman, or mm -hmm. I am Luke Skywalker or Han Solo, or... The, or I'm fighting alongside Sigourney Weaver killing aliens or something like that. So that, that's always years. been there for you. That wasn't, you don't remember a time when you didn't turn to those artistic outlets as a coping it's, mechanism. Oh my God, it goes all the way back to my, various, er, my very earliest memories. Yeah. Um, I remember trying to draw uh, Han Solo. And it'd be like looking at the picture, <laughs> looking at what I drew, and I was like, that looks nothing like him. Now, mind you, I look at it, I would think about it now, and it looks like a Picasso, and it's probably very beautiful. Um, I do have a uh, this crayon version of this this demon that was from Fantasia, at, at, at the end of Fantasia, Night on Bald Mountain. And I saw that at this kind of my majestic, uh, like, um, old, ornate theater in Alaska with, like, a balcony and, like, gold, you know, um, embellishments on the wall. And it was just such a, such a, a mystical experience, that, that encounter with art, that I, I had to, like, I had to, to draw what was, what was percolating in my imagination. And, and it's so interesting what I drew. I drew this kind of bat <laughs> figure with these these arms outstretched in the city beneath, and hmm. yeah. It, it, um, but I, I look at it now, and there's very much a lot of. I was gravitated to draw something dark like that because I was encountering this great fear of my mother dying of cancer, but I couldn't articulate that fear as a child. 
So I gravitated towards darkness in my art. Uh, I, I liked the bad characters for some reason. I, I identified with the anti-heroes because there was something about their survival nature that told me I need to become close to the darkness to understand the darkness in order to, under, to, in order to survive it. That's why the character of Batman was, was huge in my growing up because here was somebody that was able to take that encounter with great trauma and transform it through, through discipline, a celebration of discipline, into something that ultimately works uh, for positivity. Um, that was my perception of it as a, as a child. So, yes, I've always... Art has, has been my, the thing that I always return to in, in all forms. And so I always try to learn new things, different, different art forms to kind of challenge myself to, to go back to that original question because uh, when you when you when you try to do something in the arts that you're not great at and you still you still go and you still jump without fear, I feel it opens up other possibilities for you in the say the art that you are good at. Hmm. Because you want to keep yourself in that dangerous area where you don't know what's gonna happen next, where things aren't predictable, where things aren't safe. Uh I, I'm, I'm just going to, I will mention to you um, sure. a quote of uh, Moni Akin, our movement teacher at Juilliard. Yes. Moni, during the middle of my second year, during a critique, he said to me, he's like, well, what you're doing is good, um, but, you know, it is clever. <laughs> and when we go to the theater, we don't want to be watching someone who's clever. We want to be surprised. We want to be on the edge of our seat wondering what the actor is going to do next. And that can only happen when the actor doesn't know what they're going to do next. <laughs> so I challenge you to do all that hard work and, and, and research that you do and do it very early on in the process and then forget about it and then just allow the moment to be the thing and be surprised at what you will do. Be surprised about what will happen. So that's that's what I aim for as an artist in all forms. Is that of that that question, asking the question of the art to be surprised. Yes, I've done all the hard work. I leave that behind and I leave myself open to the possibility of now, what's gonna happen now, and allow that to change me and be surprised. And I feel it's a good way to, to approach life as well with that kind of openness. Yeah. So coming from such uh, a history of dealing with a lot of darkness and a lot of tragedy in your family and in your personal life, when you chose to become an actor as a profession or an, uh, an artist as a profession, some of the things that can that we talked about at the very beginning that can be the dark side for you as a professional artist, feeling like you don't have choices, feeling like you don't have power or someone else's definition of success are obviously in some ways very superficial versions of the dark side compared to the more um, human life and death basic things that you were talking about in your childhood. Um, but they're still real as uh as a professional artist. So how, how do you find yourself dealing with 
those everyday things now in your in your life and your career? Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to relate the the lessons that I've learned through um, through the celebration of discipline through the arts to um, I, trying to live a life creatively. Um, now, the artist's life is an unconventional life, so therefore, it's going to take unconventional ideas to navigate the Herculean ups and downs of an unpredictable lifestyle because it's it's not normal. And I feel that <laughs> as an artist, when you say to the universe, I want to be an artist, you are submitting your life to Homer, not the Simpsons Homer, but the Homer who wrote <laughs> Iliad and the Odyssey. And you're saying, yeah. me, my own Odyssey. Because it's not a straight line. It's ups, downs, all over the place, and great tragedy and great pain. Tempestuous. Because, because you feel everything as an artist if you're truly open, because you have to be open and vulnerable. You feel all these things, and it hurts. It hurts deeply. The rejection, the uh, the waiting, the, the desperation, the uh, the 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 waiting for acknowledgement of all your hard work. All these things. But the thing is, is that through all the trials and tribulations of that that journey that goes all over the place, you are becoming the unique artist that you are supposed to be. Those hardships are making you in to the to the, the artistic being that you were meant to be. So it's in a way that you have to. It's a diff, You have to kind of shift your mind to uh, to think about hardship and obstacles in a different focus, as opposed to thinking of them in like a like my life is cursed. I should just kill myself and die. Look at all those other people. It all comes so easy to them, and for me, mm-hmm. it's just waiting and suffering and humiliation, it, you have to think about them in a different way. So if it's a constant, if, if obstacles are a constant, then it's, it's how you perceive them that will judge how you grow from them. And ultimately, that's what you want to be. You want to be evolving as an artist. So I say welcome these hardships. Welcome all those things that come, that, that press up against you, because without that kind of weight pressing against you, you don't grow. You don't yeah. get any stronger. And so I would say that you have to you have to find a way to evolve and adapt to the different places that your your journey takes you. And if you're pursuing the performing arts, you know, it's it, it's all over the place. It could be one it could be New York, it could be LA, it could be regional theater, it could be uh, you know, uh, doing like webisodes, and I feel that you have to. Uh, you can't do the thing that everybody tells you to do to find success in the normal fashion. You have to follow your curiosity, because ultimately, if you're following your love as an artist and you're following your curiosity, that will lead you to the place that only you can go as an artist, because that's what you're trying to find. Is what is your unique point of view? What is your unique journey? Not how can I copy somebody else? How can yeah. I emulate somebody else's success? But how can you be a self-actualized human being with a unique point of view? And that requires um, 
like I said, unconventional ways of thinking about stuff. So you have to, um, uh, you got to get creative. You know, there's this, um, there's this film called Predator from 1987 <laughs> with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's about like, you know, Arnold and a bunch of guys, a bunch of muscled guys go into the jungle with their big guns and they, you know, they encounter this, this invisible alien who has better technology and is stronger than them. And so basically the unknown. And it, ta- it takes them out one by one, but then Arnold is left behind and he recognizes, he comes to the point where he recognizes that his strength and his technology mean nothing in this battle. So what does he do that, that helps him uh, actually win in the end? Is he has to get dirty and he has to get creative. So <laughs> he covers himself in mud and he gets creative with the pieces of the jungle and he makes a spear, he makes a trap, he makes a bow and arrow and he does it with his hands. He, gets, he works with his hands. So I feel that, like, yes, there is the unknown fear out there that we all encounter, that we feel we're hunted by. But the only way to overcome it is by getting dirty and getting creative and working with our hands and saying, you know what, even though you're out there, instead of, you know, cowering in a corner and like, and, uh, and just crying and, and saying, I give up, <laughs> get dirty, make something, get creative. And so I developed this kind of this, this phrase, which is like, we, we as actors or, or artists, you know, that in dealing with, with all of the uncertainty and all the, the comparisons with other people getting success and us not, we, we tend to complain. And I feel that that is not a constructive thing for one to live a creative life. So I say to myself, you know, to you as artists as well, I say when you feel that, that energy to complain, acknowledge it, don't live in it. Get creative. Yes. Shift that energy from complaining to get creative. So uh, there's, and that that requires uh, a sense of discipline of like, okay, I'm going to get up today and I'm going to write, mm-hmm. and I'm going to get all these kind of all the the negative thoughts out of my head first, and then I'm going to enter a state of flow where where new ideas can come in, and anything is possible because I feel when you when you when you're encountering the, the darkness of, of the, the creative life, which is one of desperation and, and lack, there's a certain kind of cyclical nature of negative thoughts that go on in your head that you repeat over and over and over like this mantra, I'm not good enough, I'm never going to get respect, I'm, not, I'm uh-huh. not this enough, I'm not that enough, I'm not like this person, I'm not like that person, it's never going to work for me, I'm not connected politically, I don't have nepotism on my side. All these things that repeat over and over again. And yet, how do you keep moving forward as an artist? Yes, acknowledge those things, uh, and that's why I write them down. I write, I, yes, I feel this, I feel that. But then move past them, because it can't just be that. Because then if it's just that, that's all you'll be. You'll be living in a world wracked with fear and, and doubts and disappointment. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and ultimately, the narrative of your life is I'm a victim and I have no possibilities because no one sees me. And you have to switch that way of thinking. Because if there's always these qualifiers of I'm waiting for someone else to bestow upon me 
the right to be an artist. They will be waiting forever. You just need to be an artist. You are an artist. Yeah. And take those those actions every single day, whether it's like, I'm going to cultivate my art by going on a hike. I'm going to cultivate my art by being in my body, by meditating, by practicing yoga, by going and lifting weights, by taking a dance class, by uh, by doing boxing. I, 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 I find um, there's this idea that... that um, and this is this is what I want to talk about in terms of like cultivating your artistry when you're not working as an artist. Yeah, is is being artful in your in the way in which you curate your life, your lifestyle. So I try to one learn something new, challenge myself to learn something new, and two create something new. I. Uh, I've been painting. I've been painting recently. I've been getting back into that, and I found it to be very, very liberating. Hmm. Uh, I've, been, I've been taking tango lessons, which is very alien to me, but but also the the, the kind of nature in which it's improvisatory. Uh, you have to you listen with your whole body, and that I find just fascinating because that's something that's I want to I want to get into as an artist. I want more of that in my life. I yeah. want more of that in my daily living. Is listening with yeah. every every cell in my body um it's very similar to jazz where you like you learn the vocabulary and then you just throw them all together however you want yes yes you know and then uh, the aspect of jazz about this idea of openness and that you are playing with other musicians and you're listening intensely Mm -hmm. to what they're doing and you're finding a state of flow and to me, this is like this, this state, this idea of flow to me is getting in touch with the creative spirit, the collective unconsciousness, uh, God, if you will, whatever, whatever it is to you. When you find that state of flow, that is the, the, the closest thing to being in touch with the divine. And I, and I find as an artist, um, when, when I start doing a painting, and I, I ask a question of, of the paint. I allow the answers to surprise me. And then it dictates to me what it wants to be. And I feel like my hands are possessed. And time flows by like fast. It becomes infinite and that yet compressed. It's like the way the contemplatives like describe meditation or being in touch with with God is uh-huh. that it's or it's the way like in Hamlet so Hamlet says it like this. He says, Oh, I could be I could be bound up in a nutshell and count myself king of infinite space were it not that I have bad dreams. So to me, as an artist, it's like we want to be finding this state of flow, bound up in a nutshell and king of infinite space. Yet we still have to deal with our bad dreams. So to me, that's the overcoming of the bad dreams. But to me, I like to use the bad dreams as like, yes, I have this fear in me. This, that's what I'm thinking of right now. So I'm going to put that into a painting. I'm going I'm to acknowledge <laughs> that and let that flow through me. So it, it, then it, it becomes something outside of myself. And I don't have to, to have it living in me as this right. thing that controls me. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah. How has your change of location influenced you as an artist? 
you moved back to LA, what, three years ago? Is that right? Is it longer? Two years. Two years ago. Um, um, I know, it, I know you've lived in California before that, but, um, before you came to New York, but what, what has that transition been like? What is the environment? How is it influencing you? And to be honest with you, it's extremely hard. Yeah. Um, because in New York, uh, I had a, a family of artists that were my community that, uh, um, one, uh, going back to this idea of finding full, you do that individually through your own practice, but then there's also another component where you want to find that with other like-minded artists. Of course, and especially as um, actors. Yeah. <laughs> like having exactly. that sense of community is so important. Yeah. Yeah, and for theater actors, it's all about the moment. It's this celebration of the life that can happen, the possibility that can happen in the moment. When I'm op- when I'm acting opposite somebody else that that doesn't have pre-planned how they're going to react to me. And I don't have pre-planned how I'm going to react to them. But yet we play strong intentions to each other. We will surprise each other about where it's going to go. Uh, and that that kind of, the moment, the sanctity of that, that moment becomes like the highest high that you can get in the arts. It's that idea of encountering the divine, encountering uh, this, this space of, uh, of sacredness as an artist. And I find that because the nature of the medium out here is different in that when you're working on a film or on television, it's these kind of like really broken up units of things. And it's hard to find that. It's, it's a different way of getting at flow. And it's a different celebration of, um, of ideas honest with you, there's a whole cult of personality about the star system and about, you know, um, people that are are put into films just based upon that they look good and that they can speak lines. Yep. Um, and that's a form of, uh, basically, I feel it's like commodity culture art um, or corporate art, where it's trying to sell... Uh, the most beautiful product to the most uh, wide audience it possibly can. So to them, they're not, the sanctity of the moment is not what they're into. Um, That's not like the school of of acting thought that, like, you know, the group theater came from where it's all about realism. Right. And about, like, the kind of dangerous nature of which Brando approaches things, about, like, the, the dangerous quality of, like, not knowing what he's going to do next. And that's, that's terrifying to perform opposite, but it's exhilarating to, to, to be part of that. And also because time is limited when you're shooting something. In film, time is very limited uh, in that time is money when you're shooting something. And you oftentimes only get like two to three takes maximum to get the shot. Um, and they're oftentimes just looking at coverage of plot they're not looking for subtext or nuance or 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 changing anything in the art form they're just trying to get coverage of the plot to get the thing done um so in essence it's 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 like constructing a blueprint for a skyscraper and they're not looking for kind of like the contemplative nature of art of exploring deeper things it's just get it done in the fastest way possible so that we don't have to pay all these people this army of people to, to do this right. thing. 
Um, so the nature of the art form is different. But I find that uh, the people that I try to associate with out here come from a theater background, and they're translating that into film and television. So that, that we can kind of have conversations ahead of time about like the different possibilities that live within the character, and then we can maximize those two or three takes because I've already explored all the five different options that I feel this character lives in. Uh, and so there's already that. I've done that in my prep, and then the moment is about just being surprised about what happens and then allowing the editor to take my different choices that I bring. Right. Because uh, you, stu- you studied filmmaking in undergrad. Yes. So what is it like to... Um come back to it now in a more commercial way and from the acting side um, that kind of mixing of your two your two educations well the the great thing is that I feel that like um, within the last couple of years I've been re-encountering my film studies um, uh, education and, and I'll tell you a little bit about that is I, I studied a lot of uh, third world cinema, a lot of Eastern European, Russian cinema, uh, Japanese cinema, uh, French New Wave, um, and post-colonial theory on top of that, hmm. uh, as well as documentary cinema. So to me, I have, I have uh, a lot of questions, and I like to deconstruct things about the nature of why things, certain things are made and why certain stories are told, and why certain archetypes are repeated over and over and over again. Um, and being a person of color, it's very interesting recognizing how I, I'm being cast or fit into these stories that are repeated over and over through classical Hollywood cinema. So it's very interesting. I can I can critique it, but I also have to operate within it. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I'm aware of the archetypes and the stereotypes, but how do I still function as an artist within this system? And I find that, like for myself, it's uh, my commercial work is one thing, but the work that I do uh, when I write a film or when I collaborate with other filmmakers who want my input when they're writing a film, uh, that to me is more of my love, where, where my heart lives. lives. Um, and there's this, you know, there's there's always these these sayings that they told us at Juilliard. It's like, yeah, you do film and television to, you know, basically subsidize your love of theater. Um, and I love cinema. I love it. I absolutely love it. So I'm trying to strike that balance of, yes, I can do film and television to fit within the construct of commercial art. But then at the same time, I also have to have my own point of view about what I want to say as an artist. And I have to be active in pursuing that and bold in pursuing that. Uh, and I have to be making sure I'm taking steps towards that every day. Yeah. So, the, it, but that takes activation, self-activation. And it takes discipline to do. And I find that the, a, lot of, a lot of actors out here in L.A. feel paralyzed because they're like, well, I'm not a writer. I'm not an artist. Uh, I just act. And they kind of feel that they're um, they're limited in their choices, and then therefore the, the fear kind of takes them over about what they can do. And, and I always encourage them to write every day. Get up, write. Be surprised about who you might evolve into as an act, as an actor, as an artist. I don't want to I don't want to put limitations on myself. I want I want to be able to evolve and, and be surprised about how I evolve as a human. Yes, I might be this kind of artist now, but I want to be surprised at who I am five years from now. 
Yeah. Um, and I feel that artists need to do that. You need to constantly um, try new things, go outside of your comfort zone, uh, and uh, challenge yourself to, to evolve. That's a wonderful way to think about it. Yeah. Ha- has the like physical environment influenced you mentally and emotionally, do you think? Like having being outside of a major of like a metropolitan city like New York and being near nature and things like that? Well, New York, the thing about New York is, God, it's got such a great cultural vibe. Like, you feel like you're one with the collective unconsciousness of New York when you're there because you're in such close proximity to everybody, and especially if you use public transportation. Yeah. So you're, you feel like you're part of the, the greater narrative of, of the story of New York. Um, whereas L.A. is so spread out and isolated in, in the nature in which you, you commute, uh, you feel very separated from others, from your community. So you really have to be active to kind of seek out these uh, these events where you cultivate art with uh, with other like-minded individuals, um, and, and you just you just have to make it happen, you know. And the thing that I recognize is that you know people want to be part of of good ideas, you know, because out here. The, the, the kind of corporate nature of the mainstream art is that ideas are usually very safe or repeated ideas yeah. that, that have been recycled over and over again, tried and true business investments. Mm-hmm. And new radical ideas are rarely attempted. And, and people want to be part of things like that. They want to be part of things that, that stretch them, that, that stretch their imagination, that challenge them to encounter their art form in a new way. So... For me, as an experimental filmmaker and uh, somebody that likes to work with visual language rather than words, it's my, uh, I have to challenge my artist community in ways uh, through writing things that uh, are not conventional. Um, So I have a piece that I've written over the last five years that I've been basically throwing all my film studies like madness into. Uh, and I'm gonna. I, we had a reading of it in New York. Yeah, I remember. You were there at kind of that was dreamscape, a, yeah, story. Yeah, it was infancy back then. But I've I've applied these these ideas that I've been talking about about asking questions of of the material, asking what it wants to be, because it presents it to, to itself to me as a dream, as an image, as an enigma. And then I have to kind of say, how do you want to come into this world? Use me as a vessel to bring you into this world. And then I bring those that kind of vision to my friends and say, these are the questions that this art is asking of me. What does it ask of you? And how do you feel you can come alongside this? Does this interest you? Does it not? Um, and there's, this, there's this quote by Krista Tippett, who does uh, On Being, the podcast. God, yeah. It's so good. And she I says, really enjoy that podcast. She says, like, um, she's got this, the quote basically goes like this. It's like, um, you have to ask questions, and questions elicit answers in their likeness. So therefore, ask beautiful questions. Hmm. Um, I like and that. And so I, I like that idea of a way of approaching approaching art yeah uh, and I feel that that it's important to 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 have that that uh, that curiosity um, Elizabeth Gilbert will say something like your curiosity must override your fear 
and to be stronger than your fear. That's true. And I, I would say that it's like your love of your art form has to be stronger than that fear, basically your cultivation of that art form. And so, yeah, we encounter the struggles of having survived as artists, making the rent, paying off student loans, all those things, but you have to cultivate a time in which to say, I am, I am a creative and sojourning being, making my way through this world and evolving, and I want to ask beautiful questions of the universe, and I want to be surprised about the answers I get, and I want to turn those into art, and I want to share that with my community, and I want to build beautiful dreams um, through which you can ultimately, hopefully, uh, influence humanity in a positive way. Because I view art as this. Art is like, art is like a love letter. When you, when you write something in the morning, no matter how mundane, how simple, or when you make a doodle, or when you, when you, when you write a poem or write a film, it's, it's, it's a love letter to the universe saying, um, I am alive. I am a creative being. And because I took the time and effort to create something, you can too. That we are, we are all creative beings. And that we, we don't have to celebrate destruction or fear. And this, the ideas of, of, of patriarchal Western civilization where it's like uh, rationalism and, and, uh, and alpha maleness will conquer the, the world of its barbarism. It's much, it's much more complicated and nuanced than that. And I feel that we as artists have to write these love letters. And we have to be bold in, our, in making them, no matter how simple. And so I say to you as artists, be bold. Yeah. Get up in the morning. Why not write? Why not meditate? Why not draw a doodle? Carry a notebook with yourself. Write observations about things. Um, make, make small little, like, films, you know, it doesn't yeah. have to, you don't have to change the world with with your art and it doesn't have to be precious or well and or, you'll you'll learn something from each time you do that so who knows that first time you do something the 10th time you do it you might have yeah. learned these tiny little things along the way and then it's something that you really want to share with the world you know yeah yeah i mean i look at it like the way i come from a blue collar background you know most of my family were either my grandfather was a soldier uh, and then a machinist. This was during World War II, uh, an immigrant from, from Italy. My father was a firefighter. A lot of my aunts and uncles, you know, construction workers, you know, stuff like that. So I, I come from a background of working with my hands. And that was sort of a, a thing that was celebrated, um, being raised mostly by my grandparents who were, uh, you know, Depression-era Catholics, this I idea of hard work and discipline will ultimately bring you um, to where you want to be in the end. Right. Um, so I just recognize the, 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 uh, the celebration of discipline, how it's, it's good to work hard, it's good to work yeah. with your hands, and um, it's good to, to press against things. I don't want to get to a state in my life where, yeah, I've achieved everything and now I just get to go on vacation all the time. <laughs> Everybody gets to like fan me with palm fronds and say how lovely I am. It's like, no, no, I, I work with my hands. I when I when I'm on set, I hang out with the grips. I hang out with with the stunt guys because to me it's like I I identify more with them because they're they're people that work with their physicality, you know? 
that's why I love painting and stuff like that because it's 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 a very it's a tactile thing. Um, yeah. How has your extended family like? How do they view your life as an artist? How do they perceive it or digest it? I think a lot of them they have a respect for um, my journey, but I, I wonder if they understand my point of view um, because. A lot of them, God bless them, I love them. You know, they, you know, I grew up uh, in a predominantly, you know, Catholic family, and then some of them became, you know, um, Protestants uh, uh, of the evangelical type. So, to be honest, in my growing up out of that tradition, I recognized there was a certain um, uh, psychology of fear. Uh, you know, like the wages of sin is death, this idea. And that coupled with my parents, you know, dying young, I, I was racked with this fear. Yeah. How young were uh, you when they passed away? I was eight when my mom passed away, and I was 20 when my father passed away. Okay. So to me, the way I, I said, I, I said to myself that I feel like I am, after my father's death, I felt like so overwhelmed with fear and despair that I needed to shake myself up out of that that mindset so I chose to do things that I was so afraid of to I'm like if I'm afraid of that I'm gonna do it so the next summer I went to Chiapas Mexico and was a human rights observer for the Zebra, for the Zapatista rebel communities uh, and you know I, I it, it shook my worldview, you know, my whole perspective on life. That coupled with my studying of like post-colonial theory and, mm-hmm. and learning about other other countries and their their cinema traditions and how they try to you know create identity in uh, in response to this great product of Hollywood classical cinema, which is. Uh, basically kind of setting the standard of the paragon of like what everybody should be trying to achieve. So these ideas of aesthetics and how how the West and, you know, European rationalism, enlightenment philosophy kind of colonizes the whole world. And so for me, I was, it, it made me question my upbringing where, and that kind of, you know, the right wing kind of philosophy in which I grew up um, in my grandparents' house. Now, mind you, my parents were hippies, you Mm. know. um, So there was this kind of weird dynamic between me and having both sides of me. But, you know, I I bring back, you know, more of like these kind of radical, like questioning things through my my journeys and my activism. And my family can, uh, they can respect it, but oftentimes they don't understand it. Have they gotten to see you perform much? Yes. Yes. Um, I, I always look at, like, I feel that because I was raised by, by my aunts and uncles, I feel that I, I, uh, I am a product of their, their love. Uh, I would not be doing what I'm doing today without their sacrifice of taking me into their homes and raising me after my mom died. Um, so I always try to give back when I can. Um, 
so any chance I can go back and do theater in San Diego, I just, <laughs> just love it so much. I'm sure you're seeing a lot more of them now, now that you're on the same coast, right, of your family? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so it's so interesting that these two centers, or where we feel like we have to live as actors, are on the coast, that they're completely on the opposite side of the country. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. It's such extremes. Uh, that's one thing that I really missed. I miss my family a lot out in New York. Um, but I, I had a different family in my family of artists. Yeah. And I miss that too. So it's the thing I've tried to, to find now is is it as opposed to like missing and, and being full of regrets about the things that are lost. It's just recognizing that yes, change is a constant. Things aren't always going to be what they were. You can't bring a point in history back into the now. Now is different. It's not the past. It's the now. So how can we be in the now and have gratitude about what is the now? And I feel that there's opportunities abounding to find that sense of gratitude about what your world is now. Because, yes, of course I miss the theater. I miss, you know, being in New York. I miss the cultural vibe. But, but where I'm at now, I... You know, I, I, I live in artist subsidized housing in Ventura, California, and I, I live like oh, a couple amazing. blocks away from the beach, and I can go watch the sunset every day. I can go swim. I can do oh, all kinds great. of other things. Uh, I can go to I can go to L.A. and be close to art, close to my other friends that are down there. So yes, there are nice things about it as well. And I'm 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 evolving as an artist here as well. At first, it felt like a death, and um, I, I, this this leads me to. Uh, kind of this idea of things changing in, in New York uh, yes I I, uh, um, I was I, I was in a relationship with another artist mm-hmm. and the moving out here caused that that relationship to break up um, because she moved to Seattle and I moved here um, and this it's just complicated it's very very complicated to to, to be in relationship to join your life with somebody else who is also an artist um, who has their own unique journey that they're going through and you have to honor what they're going through but you also have to honor what you're going through and you have to encounter your fears about the nature of those questions and really ask the hard questions about if you're evolving in different directions so there was a great deal of pain in dealing with that breakup um, that I, it was a great darkness that I've been living through for the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find that uh, encountering that has helped me evolve as a human. It's helped me grow past things uh, that I did not want to be in terms of my own weaknesses. Like it really opened up I, my eyes to uh, ways in which I was living that, that I was not respecting myself. So yet, there, going back to this idea of struggle and change being an opportunity for growth, if you let it to be, sometimes you just have to live in it and ask questions of it. You have to encounter the darkness. You have to be in the darkness and be contemplative about what is this change? How, does, how is this asking you to evolve? Uh, and, and the best analogy I can give to you is that, say that, see your dreams are like a, a plant that you're carrying with you and you're trying to nurture it. And ultimately you hope that this plant will will bear fruit. 
But sometimes your path will take you through a desert, and there's no rain. And I thought for a period of time that, like, yes, you know, when there's no rain and there's no, you know, streams coming up out of the ground to uh, to give water to my dreams, I can use my blood, sweat, and tears to water this thing to keep it alive. But then sometimes, you know, that dream will die in the midst of that desert. And you will be just devastated that your dream died. But you're still alive as a human, and you can still walk. And maybe there's a cactus there that you can put in that pot instead. And then you walk well, along. you can have another dream. Yeah. And maybe that cactus has things to teach you about you know, what your dream should be. So your dreams evolve as you, yeah. as you evolve. At, it's interesting to see how so, they change. Yeah, I and mean, change like that's that's the thing. It's like you want you want change yeah. to come. You em- want to be surprised. I feel like embracing change evolve. is such a huge, huge tool in dealing with a life, the life of an artist. If you can embrace yeah. change and the changing nature of it, it's, it's huge in helping you live a healthy life. Yes, yes, adaptability. Being soft, being because like, you know, there's, there's a saying that like, when, when something gets brittle, it breaks. Yeah. So it's like you want to be able to, to be adaptable to, you know, to find a flow. It could be like the nature of water, as Bruce yeah. would say. You know. Um, I I'm very uh, thankful that you're doing this podcast because to me, I've always admired you as an artist and your energy, and I I've always been drawn to your energy as an artist, and I. I find your spirit um, to, to be one of, yes, a contemplative nature as an artist, but also um, you're, you're, very, you're very physical, you're very in your body, and your, your love of dance as well as the kind of uh, more intuitive and subtle natures of subtext in your acting, I just, I've always, I've always been enamored of, and that's why I, I always try to collaborate with you as an artist. So I'm very thankful that you, you're, you're asking these questions of other artists about how, how they adapt and evolve. I'm it's, asking, I, I, I'm asking them of myself, and I'm, I'm learning from each person I talk to. So it's, it's been really nice. Thank you. And I, I mean, I'm, I miss you. I miss collaborating with you because mm-hmm. you're such a lovely collaborator. Maybe I'll have to post that movie we made so long ago with Frankie to the to the podcast website I'll post, yeah. maybe post a clip one of our early collaborations yeah because speaking about like you know it speaks definitely to this idea of possibility and the question yeah. asking a question because when we when we, we just, did that piece I I basically gave you a set of questions and very kind of you know precise rules of interaction between you and Frankie and then I allowed you to adapt and evolve and then I just followed you just with little teeny tiny guidances I just said just yeah, fo- yeah go go there like do do what you're doing a little longer keep exploring that so long know? ago <laughs> we were we were it. such babies when we did that that was so long ago I don't want to keep you too long because we've been talking a long time but there's a few more questions I wanted to ask and one of them is very practical but I think it's a good thing just to talk about in the open because everyone's dealing with it, is um, how have you dealt with day jobs over the years? I know that you've been doing more film work now, and I don't know your financial situation, but how have you been piecing together your financial life as a working actor? Because gotcha. every, everyone's figuring it out. 
In New York, I had multiple hustles, whether it was you know babysitting or teaching you know physical education or uh, uh, working as a videographer and editor, freelance, mm-hmm. um, doing um, regional theater when I could, doing off Broadway show when I could, and uh, you kind of got to have multiple hustles, things that you can because if you're if you're reliant on one thing to uh, bring you income. It's it's a very kind of anxiety inducing thing, especially in the kind of uh, fluid nature uh, of the artist's life. You got to be able to adapt and move and change as opportunities present themselves, because you want to be able to be ready to say yes, I can do that, as opposed to no, I don't think I can do that because of X, Y, and Z. It's like you want to be ready to go at yeah. all moments. So I'd say I'm, I'd say multiple hustles, and I'm I'm sure that a lot of other people would say the same. Um, uh, out here in California, it's, I, 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 it's a little different. Uh, I, I don't do videography and editing, uh, as much anymore. Um, I, I work, I just got this job last year and I really, really enjoy it. It's, it's, it's really awesome. I work as a product specialist for Subaru. And uh, I go to auto shows around the country, and I basically just talk to people about Subarus. <laughs> and um, it's really fun. It's an easy job, and uh, you get paid good money. And it's a job in which you're just asked to engage people in conversation. You're not selling them anything. You're just engaging them in conversation. And then if you can relay information about the particular product, it's fun. it's good. That's great. The, <laughs> it's the salesman the, thing that drives me crazy. So that's, What's that? It's the salesman part of it that drives me crazy. So that's good that it's a little lo- lower stakes. No, all all I'm doing is is, is talking about uh, the technological information of the vehicles, and because of the integrity of the company, they basically sells themselves. So I mean, my my job is really easy. Um, so I, I really enjoy doing that, and plus, it's afforded me the opportunity to travel. And it's afforded me the opportunity to basically like save a bunch of money so the rest of the year I can be doing my art. So, for instance, this last year, you know, I finished uh, the auto show season season in March, and then uh, in April I started pre production for this action film that a friend of mine was uh, writing and directing, and I I was helping him do some revisions because he he trusts my point of view, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, which is really cool. And then in May we shot it in. So it was really cool. It was a nice, like, independent uh, action film that's going to be out uh, next year called The Base right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, the director is Jesse Gustafson. Uh, and uh, I had previously done a short film with him uh, called Day 39, which is now Vimeo staff pick. Ooh. Uh, because it's, been, it's, it's a really good film. It's really good. So, yeah, it's great. because I, And now, I, you know, because I have the summer all to, to do what I want to do, I... In July, I was like, "Well, I want to. I want to make art. I want to go on a silent retreat. Uh, I want to. I want to dance." So I basically just developed my own <laughs> curriculum about how I want to. How I want to evolve as an artist, and and then I'll you know go back and do the auto show season coming like you know November. That's awesome. Yeah, so it's it's nice. It's a, it's a very flexible kind of job. That's great. Um, yeah. Um, are there any concrete things that you if you're having a day when you're really feeling uninspired and unmotivated, concrete things that you reach for again and again, like a, a certain book or just getting outside and moving your body or 
a place you go or something like that? I write. I, I do it in 10, uh, uh, 10 minutes of writing in the morning. I find that to be very helpful. It's a nice ritual. Uh, I, I take a walk to the beach, and I just listen to nature. I find that to be very helpful. I observe. I, I observe how the coast changes. And meditating on that, the idea of change, because the, the coastline is always different every day, how the tide changes it. And the sunset is different every day, so I observe the sunset whenever I can. I, I shadow box at the gym. That's, that's kind of like a ritual that I, that I do that like brings me in a state of flow uh, because there's a certain amount of unpredictability that in which you want to operate that you are finding uh, um, fluidity through your movements, but you're also exacting very precise techniques, but also trying to surprise yourself about like um, what your imagination is throwing at you in terms of uh, reacting to this imaginary thing that's coming at you. So mm-hmm. I find that it gets me in my body, it gets me on my breath, and it also physicalizes myself. But it also gets me in touch with my emotions. Sometimes I find myself, if I'm dealing with a depression, I'll be shadow boxing and I'll just start crying. And that's okay. That's, that's great. That's great to access it. Because sometimes it can access something that, that, that is in my muscles and my muscle memory that, that say, my, my intellect couldn't access. Yeah. Uh, I re- recently, this, la- this last year, I read a couple of books that were just amazing that uh, I would recommend. Um, I would recommend Anatomy of the Spirit okay. um, by Carolyn Miss. Uh, I would recommend um, Start Where You Are by Emma Chobram about meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would recommend um, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Yeah. I would recommend uh, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Okay. I would recommend uh, Catching Big Fish by David Lynch. Um, I, man, uh, uh, I'm reading Dune recently because it was a, real, it was a favorite book of mine at, growing up in my adolescence, and I will share a couple of quotes from you from that book because I, feel, I find them to be very applicable to the artist's life. Uh, one is this quote that goes like this. It goes, um, Seek liberty and become captive of your desires. Seek discipline and find your freedom. Hmm. I love that. Because to me, that is, that's the artist's life right there, is finding freedom through discipline. It's like the, the expanse of possibility through the compression of a form. And you do the forms that possibilities can present themselves to you. Um, the other quote is the fear litany, which I'm sure most people have heard of, which is this, this idea uh, that goes like this. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will allow it to pass through me. And when it is gone, I will turn the inner eye to see where it has gone. And only I will remain. Mm. This, I, I love that idea of this, this idea of fear being the mind killer. Because when, you, when, when you're wrapped with fear, you, you can't be creative in your mind. You, 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 you react instinctually. When a frightening thing happens, you usually tense up. And the idea, that's why I love shadow boxing, this idea of inviting the, the fearful thing 
and then finding a way to take that energy that's coming at you and flow, make it flow around you. Hmm. Then at the same time, move back against it. That's great. Yes. So. Well, the last thing is, have you seen anything recently that you want to recommend? But you just gave me a ton of recommendations, so if there's nothing else, that's fine. But have you seen any, like, films or theater out there that you want to recommend? uh, I will recommend, um, uh, yes, the the films I'm going to recommend are uh, two Jean Cocteau films. Okay. Uh, One is called La Belle et la Bête, which is The Beauty and the Beast. Amazing, magical inspiration from uh it's on hulu plus watch it uh the other film is uh done by him is called uh orpheus or orfe uh and another just haunting visual spectacle just a dream mm. <laughs> it's, oh it's so good awesome. watch those films uh and then the other two films are, are two films by another french filmmaker named alan renee uh, and one is called Hiroshima Manemore, hmm. uh, a haunting picture that takes place in Hiroshima uh, in the 1950s of uh, an encounter between uh, a French woman who uh, is dealing with trauma from her experience in World War II uh, in France and then uh, a, sur- a survivor of uh, the Hiroshima experience in Japan. And it's, it's their, yeah, it's a beautiful film. I would mm. say, yes, watch it, watch it, watch Great. it. And the other film by him, same film like Alan, is Night and Fog, which is his kind of documentary on the Holocaust uh, and the rise of fascism in Germany. Um, again, available on Hulu Plus. Haunting film. I wept watching it. And I watched it in film school many many moons ago but but this time i just i just wept i wept because i'm seeing things repeating themselves and today and it just i just wept those four um and some you know i I watched escape from new york because they were john carpenter's escape from new york because they were they were having a you know a showing of it in hollywood uh, at the egyptian theater and i had to see it on the big screen uh oh and this documentary called jiro Dreams of Sushi. You know, I've heard I've heard about this so much, and I need to watch it. I've heard it's amazing. Oh yeah, because this is talking about you know cultivating a life of art. Here's a yeah. man who's just dedicated his life to, perfecting. to the perfection yeah. of sushi. And oh, amazing. it's so beautiful. That, I need the to watch it. The discipline he has, and how simple it can be. Um, when when you just perfect the simplicity, like to me, that it was just it's just beautiful to watch. Beautiful. So I highly recommend that if you're an artist. Amazing. Um, Yeah. Dan, thank you so much. I could talk to you all day, but I'm gonna I'm gonna end it here. Awesome. Thank Thank you, Leah. You are a lovely, lovely human being. (laughs) I just I just love my interactions with you, and I miss being in New York, collaborating with you, and we'll have to collaborate one day soon again. We'll have to dream some dreams up. I miss you too. Thank you for doing this. Absolutely. Thank you so much. to the compass podcast i'm leah walsh more episodes are coming soon please look for us on facebook and itunes i'd like to thank the following people for their generosity 
The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller, music by Brendan Spieth, audio assistance from Nick Choksi, and a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.